0: Good morning, if you have your Bibles, whether they be digital or paper in front of you, you can be turning to Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, and we'll meet there in just a moment. We are thankful that you are here this morning and happy new year to you. The first Sunday of the new year, we're thankful for the opportunity to be together We still have a few who are out. Of course, many at this point are out with just the the sickness that goes around this time of year. Many of you that have been traveling, we're thankful for your safe return and, and looking forward to enjoying a few moments of study together today. We hope that you can be back with us again this evening if you have an opportunity as we study again together we look forward to a new year here at the Saudi Church of Christ. As Barry mentioned there in our bulletin, there's a list of things that's going on, not only in January, but we've got a whole year being planned. Uh, certainly, the men, uh, please plan to be at the breakfast and men's business meeting as we continue to talk about the things that lie in front of us in the new year, the good things that we plan on participating in with this congregation. Uh, I know that Bill had done it in the past, and I kind of did it last year, um, but uh, the next Sunday after that men's meeting, we'll have a little recap of some of the things that we talk about. And and look at some of the numbers that we uh, put together for that meeting and talk about Uh, Some of those things, including our mission work uh, that we participate in. Some of you were here for our uh, yearly recap a couple of Sunday nights ago, uh, and we don't really touch, I've not really touched on that in that particular lesson, but uh, look forward to that Sunday after our men's meeting, after we talk about some of the mission uh, points that we support and where we send folks and that kind of thing. We'll talk about some of that then. So we hope that if you are interested in any of the things that we have going on here at the Saudi Church of Christ, that you will take advantage of the opportunity to join us in, in any of the numbers the things that are listed there in the bulletin as we've said for two weeks already we are in a season of examination many of us spend a few moments considering our lives and and if not our entire future at least the coming year we take some time to consider what lies before us and sometimes we ask those deep and difficult questions uh, that we sort of contemplate from time to time what are my goals what Uh, Do I want to do? How can I be better at any number of things? And maybe you've even gone so deep as we have kind of talked about to ask some of the existential questions of life, if you will. Like the title of our lesson this morning, Why Am I Here? You know, as I contemplated what we could look at that'd be beneficial to us, there's, there's all kinds of lessons. I saw several preachers on Facebook and things the last couple of days posting that they were going to you know, talk about the 2020 vision and things like that. And so we're all kind of considering those ideas, what, what lies before us, and maybe even why am I here? Of course, not in the pew at this moment, uh, not at worship services, but the, the deeper question, why am I here? What is my purpose? Of course, it's been rainy for a few days, but if you're like me, every once in a while maybe you end up outside in in the evening or really at night when it's dark outside and if it's clear you can see the stars and maybe the moon and you look up and you kind of have that question, why am I here? What is my purpose? Well for us this morning, part of the good news and really for the world, part of the good news is that God as our Father does not leave us wondering about that. He doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us exactly why we are here. A few weeks ago, towards the middle and end of November, and maybe even the first of December, we had a, a whole series discussing prayer. And in our series on prayer, we talked about Romans chapter 11. And we looked at how Paul would write to those in Rome about our Father. We are not God, and we don't claim to be, but we are not God. We can't begin to even scrape the surface of his knowledge. Paul would write in verse number 34 of the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. His ways, his ways are past finding out. And in verse 36, we were reminded that of him and through him and to him are all things. A very sobering but honest reminder that everything in this world is about God. Everything in this life is about God. Everything around us, everything that we can list. And we even use this exact slide here in our lesson about prayer. And I had it as the first set of blanks to fill in in your outline this morning because of course it could be a theme for the entire year in every lesson, but in particular in that lesson on prayer, and as we're going to talk about this morning, it helps us to be reminded that it's all about God. Your financial plans that you've made this year is all about God. Your diet, or really your health in more of a general sense, is, is about God. Your stewardship of the things that you've been blessed with. Your work life. Your interactions with your coworkers, Even the politically charged world that we live in with all the issues that are constantly on our minds because they're always in the news and before us are all about God. Your marriage your children, your free time, it's all about God. The Bible itself opens with the words, in the beginning, God. The Bible, as we have it before us, is a book so that we can learn it's a book about God. The universe around us and its beauty and its complexity and its wonderment, the world around us, creation, is the creation of God. So hear me out this morning, I think what bogs us down oftentimes in life is that we are trying to walk the Christian life, but we forget that it is all about God. We lose sight oftentimes of the fact that neither you nor I were designed to play the leading role in life. We were created to play a supporting role, as it were, to the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, the one to whom all things are of him and through him and to him. God is in the lead. It is all about God. And I realize that as we meet here every first day of the week, that there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. We all feel it in any number of things, whether it is financially or our health or our loved one's health. We feel the stress and anxiety and worry of this world. But please understand, you and I will find our greatest fulfillment. We will find our greatest fulfillment. We will enjoy our greatest contentment only if and when we fulfill our God-given role. So why am I here? If that's what we're trying to determine this morning, what is my God-given role? Why am I here? If you've got your Bibles, let's turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I don't know if you're a, a writing in your Bible kind of person or marking in your Bible, but maybe you can have a pen ready if you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse number 31. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse number 31. Paul would write here, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. What is our greatest fulfillment? What is our God given role? Well, first and foremost this morning, I am here for the glory of God. If you've got your writing utensil in front of you and you're writing your Bible, underline that last part of verse number 31. Do all to the glory of God. I am here for the glory of God. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 7 that God created us for His glory. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, you were created for God's good pleasure according to his will. And our God-given role is to bring glory to God. It's all about God. And when we play our role as supporting actors, so to speak, we can find fulfillment, contentment, peace, and even satisfaction in this life here upon this earth. I'm afraid that all too often what we do is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about segmenting our lives or compartmentalizing our lives. We tell ourselves that God doesn't care about certain parts of my life. God doesn't care about the cereal that I eat, the shirt that I pick out to wear, the television show that I watch every night, the kind of car that I drive, the way that I act on the ball field, the people who I'm friends with, what I do on Saturday night, what websites I visit. God doesn't care about any of that. And I'm here to tell you this morning that I believe, that I honestly believe that God does care about all of that. And all of it needs to be done to the glory of God. I realize that what cereal we eat may seem a little silly to us, not a big deal. But I would submit to you on the other hand, that when we consider that every action we take every dollar we spend, every word that we utter, everything that we do is meant to the glory of God, then we can find that peace and satisfaction. We can find that contentment and fulfillment that God wants us to have here upon this earth. But we must recognize that first and foremost, it is about the glory of God. In Colossians chapter three, in verse number 17, Paul would write similar words, a similar thought to those Uh, to this passage from first Corinthians and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him question for you this morning what does that leave out whatever you do in word or deed what does that leave out for us that we cannot do in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ what can you do that should not be done for the glory of God Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, and let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Do what? Give glory to God. That is our purpose. That is our God-given role. And yes, the shirt on our back, the cereal that we eat, the car that we drive, we can segment it out and say that God doesn't care. But everything that we do, if it is done to the glory of God, We'll see to it that we are glorifying him and that we are faithful. If we're that careful about everything that we do, then we'll be giving glory to God. We sang it just a moment ago. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Do we really feel that way? And are we really giving him the glory in all things? But secondly, go back again to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And again, if you've got your your marking uh, pen there, if you like to write in your Bible... 1 Corinthians 10, verse, verse number 31. Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. But verses 32 and 33. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Now, the Jews and the Greeks or the Gentiles here were both understood to be outside of the church. Unbelievers. But even number three, he says there, or to the church herself, the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Our role is not to be a part of the problem, but to be a part of the solution. Not to be a part of the sin and the blight upon this world, but to stay away from those things and contribute to the righteousness and good in the world. And if you're underlining in your Bible, underline that last word. Part of verse number 33, that they may be saved. Friends, the Christian life can be summarized this morning with two simple concepts. All that we are about, all that we do, should be number one, to the glory of God, and number two, for the good of man. The glory of God and the good of man. That's what you've just underlined in your Bible. What I want above all else is the glory of God. For God's glory, his greatness, his majestic, eternal glory to be recognized by all. And in that process, what is involved in the glory of God is the good of man. If it is good for man, if it is truly good for man, then it is to the glory of God. And if it is to the glory of God, then it is ultimately good for man. Not only are the things that we are supposed to do for the good of man, but remember in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 44, when Jesus says that what we do should be good for who? Even for those who we hate. So not only are we to do things that are for the good of man, but for the good of all mankind, even for those who hate you. Really? For the good of man? Absolutely. Friends and brethren, that's why we're here. I mean, that's why we're here this morning. Yes, but that's why we are here upon this earth. That's our purpose. And it's the theme of the Bible. I mean, we see it everywhere. And very quickly, we're going to look at three examples this morning. The first one is Matthew chapter 22 and verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Do you remember the situation here? Those those annoying little gnats, if you will, those annoying people who are always following around Christ, they're always trying to catch him in something. Verse 34 says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. If it's not one group, it's going to be the other. And in verse 35, we get that terrible group of people, lawyers. I think we only have one here. I don't know. I'm not trying to offend everybody this morning. But those lawyers that we all like to talk about sometimes. And what does that certain lawyer do? He tries to trick him. He tries to hem him in and question him. What is the greatest commandment in the law? And how does Jesus answer? Number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. See, Jesus reiterates here our primary purpose. Our primary purpose here is for the glory of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The quotation, of course, there from Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Again, a theme of the entire Bible. God is first. Our primary purpose is for the glory of God. The glory of God is, should be preeminent in all that we do. But number two, secondary, the good of man. That thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy self our secondary purpose would be for the good of man and he says even in verse 40 on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets it is everything to us the basis for all that we do is number one the glory of God and number two the good of man and if we will remember that and practice that then we would see good days we would see life upon this earth in a better state for us not perfect Not avoiding all the trouble, but again, beginning with what I have in the morning and what I do as I go to bed and everywhere in between. If it's meant for these two purposes, you might be surprised to find out when you focus that much upon the glory of God and the good of man, how life might just fall into a better place for all of us. Satisfaction, peace, contentment, fulfillment when we are fulfilling our God-given role. It's everywhere in our Bibles, even when we move past Jesus to the inspired epistles from Paul. There's an Old Testament example given in the New Testament, Romans chapter 4. This one is not on your outline, but Romans chapter 4. From verse number 13 to the end of the chapter there, if you're making notes, Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Thirteen through the end of the chapter. The Apostle Paul gives the Romans a reminder of the greatest man from the patriarchal age that we can read about. Good old Father Abraham. By reading Paul's words to those in Rome, we are reminded of the promise that was given in Genesis chapter 12 to Abram that through Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But in Romans chapter 4, there in verse 19, Paul describes both Abraham and Sarah as being dead. Dead? Well, not physically dead, but he's talking about reproductively dead. In fact, verse 19 reminds us that Abraham is about 100 years old. So not dead in the sense that there's no more breath, no more blood flowing, but reproductively dead, obviously, in this sense. And verse number 20 brings home our point this morning. As Paul says that no, Abraham was not weakened because of this. Because knowing that he was reproductively dead, but knowing on the other hand, the promise given to him by God, he was not weakened because of that. He did not waver, but instead he was strengthened. He was strengthened and through that he was able to do what? Give glory to God. But we keep reading. And in verse number 23, Paul says, now it was not written for his sake alone, Abraham's sake alone, and that it was imputed to him, but also for us, the glory of God, the good of man. That's what we see here. When we look all the way back at Abraham, a hundred years old, knowing that this promise doesn't make sense. There's no way that anybody could do that. There's no way that we could have a child at our advanced years of being dead in a sense. But with the glory of God and for the good of man, God can do anything. And even in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17 through chapter 19, looking at about three chapters here in total together, the story of Elijah. Now you recall that in the New Testament, James tells us in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not. And it did not rain for the span of three years and six months. But what's the big deal? What's the application for us when it comes to Elijah? Well, Elijah was a citizen of Israel. He's a citizen of Israel. And when he prayed for God to stop up the rain. To keep it for raining for three years and six months, he was praying for hardship for himself. He was a citizen of Israel. He's not that one that says, well, you know, God, I wish you'd do that, but I sure would like it if you do it to them and not to me. He prayed for hardship for himself. And so in chapter 17, he has to go by the brook Cherith and be fed by the ravens. That is, until the brook Cherith dries up. And then he has to travel to Zarephath. The in the shadow, basically, Zarephath being in the shadow of mean old king Ahab and wicked queen Jezebel. He has to go into the enemy territory, essentially, to be taken care of by a widow who couldn't even take care of herself and her own son. Why? Why would Elijah do this? You know the answer for the glory of God and the good of man. Why? Why would Elijah say, make it harder on me? Why would he pray that type of prayer so that God's people would repent? Later on in chapter 18 of 1 Kings and that, that great victory, that great scene on Mount Carmel, he says there in chapter 18, Elijah would pray to God that his people, God's people would know that he is Lord God. And that they would turn their hearts back to Him again. The glory of God and the good of man. Even Elijah realized that that was the purpose of life. And if it meant praying hardship for himself, he would do it. Because that's how important it is that we realize that there are people who are lost that need to know God, that need to know Christ, and need to understand their purpose. Why am I here for the glory of God and the good of man? When we think about the theme of the Bible, Abraham, Elijah coming forward to Jesus, that is what we see. And we spend so much time and oftentimes money. I mean, I've said it through the last couple of weeks. I hope that you spend a few moments contemplating this year. Maybe you don't lay out 10 different resolutions, New Year's resolutions that you want to accomplish. Maybe you don't lay out any, but I hope you spend a few moments considering your life. We ask ourselves to do that each week when we assemble here together. And I'm telling you this morning that I can't take away everything. And God doesn't promise to take away all the worry and stress and anxiety that we feel. But he does promise us. I believe in numerous places, even some that we've already talked about this morning, that if we will give glory to him with the lives that we lead and everything that we do, give glory to him and do things that are for the good of mankind. For those that we come in contact with both wonderful and nice and easy and yes, even both sometimes evil and difficult and hard. If we will do it all to the glory of God and the good of man, then we will find that peace and contentment and fulfillment. And I can't emphasize it enough. I I know it, again, it sounds silly, but if we begin with the cereal in the morning and we finish with what we do at night and everywhere in between, all the decisions of life, if we will consider whether or not that's glorifying God, and you know, sometimes we ask our kids that, at least we have in our household from time to time, was that really a nice thing, you know? Is that really something that Jesus would want you to do or God would want you to do? We kind of train our children to try to think that way, but yet we get too old and we get too big for ourselves and we think we're past it. And we stop considering things in light of that kind of question. But if everything that we do will go through those types of lenses, those types of glasses, if you will, the glory of God and the good of man, then you'll see your life be what God wants it to be. And you will find peace and fulfillment along the way. And I dare you, I dare you to try Start today, start tomorrow, start this week with just trying the rest of today, one step at a time, doing those things, answering those questions, thinking of our purpose here upon this earth as those two things. And you might be surprised what you would find. Let's close our Bibles for just a moment here. You can get out your songbook if you do that. And let's prepare to sing in just a moment as we encourage ourselves. The question is, why am I here? When we boil it all down, when we strip away all the trappings, take off all the shine and glitter of life, and we get down to the nitty gritty, as we like to say, it really is very simple. And it really is the key to a fulfilled life here on this earth because we realize that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through to somewhere beyond the blue. The key to life here is to think about life there. To live life here, number one, for the glory of God, and number two, for the good of man. It's all about God, and the sooner that I realize that I can live a life that is for those two purposes, the sooner I can be at peace, even amongst all the turmoil. And we've seen it. I mean, we've got it in our political climate, in the world atmosphere, in the way that world politics go, And we've even got it in our own churches, as we talked about last Sunday with the things that happened in Texas. There's turmoil all around us. We can't avoid it. But we can seek out peace amongst God by giving glory to Him. That begins this morning by giving your life to Christ. It doesn't take your death upon the cross, but it does take your submission to Him by being baptized for the remission of your sin. As you begin a new year, Consider making this greatest of New Year's resolutions, this greatest of changes in your life. And we would pray for you and with you. We'll be singing in just a moment here for your encouragement. If you're thinking you don't know enough, we throw this slide up here every time to kind of give you a brief snapshot of what the Bible says a person must do to become in a saved state. If you think you don't know enough, we would gladly study with you, even this day, if we can make time. As soon as we can, we would study with you because it's that important of a decision to give your life to Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to begin living faithfully. Or maybe you've lost your way. As a child of God, you've known salvation, but you've become lost because you've forgotten your purpose. Many of us wear many different hats, mom, dad, boss, worker, friend, relative, we wear all kinds of hats, but our purpose here upon this earth for the glory of God and the good of man. And when we lose that sense of purpose, we wander away and oftentimes sin enters our life and we find ourselves separated from God. Why are you here? Are you living that life in such a, you're living your life in such a way as that? And if you're not, would you even consider making a change this morning as we stand together and as we sing?